Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile. Hello and welcome to My Property World. I'm Will Mallard and today I'm joined by Lisa Brown from supportedlivinggateway.com. Lisa, you're very welcome. Hi, Will. Thanks for having me. Now, Lisa, we, uh, we've had you on the, the show previously to talk about the gateway and the, the, the platform which matches um, property investors and their properties with uh, providers of supported living. And you also offer a, a training program which runs over eight, eight weeks for investors who want to uh, understand how to work successfully with supported living providers uh, on their properties. And there's a lot of detail on that, but we'd like to do a, um, a, a quick run through supported living, how it works, uh, and get into uh, uh, a bit of detail around both care and housing elements. Uh, how does that sound? Yeah, that sounds great. I'm looking forward to this. All right, well, supported living, um, what is it? At its simplest form, really, supported living is a living arrangement for a tenant who has support needs. Okay. And what does that mean to a property investor? So that would mean that as a, as a property investor, you'd be letting your property to an organisation and the tenants living in your property would have support needs. Now, those support needs can vary really hugely. Um, so you can have people with... Um, long and enduring support needs who are going to need support for their lifetime so maybe someone with learning disabilities complex mental health um, or physical disabilities or you can have people with shorter term support needs by shorter term I'm talking about maybe a couple of months or a couple of years and those individuals will need some support until they can transition on to take a tenancy of their own so they may be people who have been street homeless. They may be people who have been um, uh, survivors of domestic abuse. They may be veterans experiencing PTSD, individuals who need some support till they can transition on to learn those independent living skills again and be able to live by themselves. And, and the, I suppose the underlying principle is that uh, having a safe place to, uh, to inhabit um, that, that, that allows a, an element of dignity and, um, and a better quality of life for the, the person concerned. Completely. You know, um, 
the the need for good safe shelter is a basic human right isn't it well it's something that we all need we all need and we need and some individuals need property that's adapted slightly to meet their needs and and be safe for them um, and others don't need property that's adapted they just need good quality safe accommodation so yeah absolutely it's a basic human right for all of us just showing how old i am uh, going back into the 1990s i um i flew into Cape Town Airport, and I'm a New Zealander. I've, I've been over this side of the world since 2007, but you land at Cape Town Airport and you're surrounded by um, this enormous shanty town, and it's just appalling the living conditions people are in. Um, and I, I think as a society, um, uh, the the United Kingdom has uh, committed for a long time to not being like that, and you know there's a um, there's a uh, I suppose a, a basic understanding that uh, there's a as a society will will provide for people um, at, at a, a housing level uh, who need it. And having seen the alternative, I'm, I'm you know a full endorser of that. I, I think the um, you know, I I just think we're, we're we're lucky as a society to be in the position that we are that uh, we're doing well enough as a country uh, that we've got sufficient resources and and part of that is um, uh, is the provision of of uh, social housing and and you know in this case specifically uh, supported living and it's helping people in need. Um, what. What uh, your background, Lisa, I, I think, and uh, I'd love to get you on a, another time to maybe go into a bit more detail around that, but your, in summary, you, you're, you, you've covered both sides because you're, uh, you've been a registered nurse for a, a number of years uh, and very successful in that. And you've also um, been a property developer. And, and this, this kind of sits in the intersection of those two worlds. Um, how, how does, um, what, what's actually involved in, um, uh, on the care side in the background? What, what, what sort of organizations and what processes have to uh, be applied for, for someone to uh, get the support that they need? Obviously, as I, as I mentioned, there's such a wide range of different tenant groups and support needs that, that there's not a simple answer to that question well. Um, people who've got the, the more complex need requirements might be being supported by a care company or a charity or an organisation that's registered with the CQC, the Care Quality Commission, um, and they'll need to meet certain standards to be able to be registered, and that's to be able to provide personal care. Personal care is care where you maybe need help with washing, dressing, maintaining your appearance or toileting. That's, that's essentially what personal care is. Then you have other organisations who are more just a support organisation. They may be unregulated, so they're not, not registered with any um, anything like the CQC. And they may be providing support. If you think about individuals who've maybe been homeless, who've been um, provided with a, um, a safe accommodation to live in, they may need support with learning how to fill in um, benefit forms and claim forms to be able to take their own tenancies. They may need support accessing different parts of the system, maybe accessing some mental health support. 
So that's sort of a lower level support requirement that doesn't need to be registered with anybody. So the, the care component in supported living varies hugely from big established care companies, um, charities, CICs, community interest companies, um, and, and sort of everything in between, really. And sometimes a mixture of uh, multiples of those. Yeah, yeah, sometimes you do get people from different bits and pieces. Yeah, absolutely. And what exactly is a commission? That might not be a term that uh, the average property investor uh, is familiar with. Um, sorry, my dogs are just barking. I hope that's not <laughs> the joy of recording from home. <laughs> um, so a commission, are you asking who a commissioner is? How uh, what, what, what is a, a commission um, in this context? So the, the commissioning process is the process by which services are kind of um, organised and, and, and set up. So often you have in the, within the local authority, commissioning decisions are made, often by the local authority commissioner. This will be for things like mental health support, learning disabilities, children in care, those kind of... Um, so for example, that might be a, um, a manager within the council whose title is commissioner for... Yeah, for, for children, for example. Yeah, you may have the the complicated thing is each local authority organises their commissioning structures slightly differently. So, so it's not a straightforward. This is how it how it works in every every county because each each area is slightly different. But often you'll have a commissioner who's responsible for commissioning services for children, and another who will be um, responsible for commissioning services for people with learning disabilities and mental health. Often they'll sit together, but sometimes they're separate. Right, and, and it's further complicated by different local authority structures. So if you have a unitary authority where there's a collection of locations mm -hmm. or whether you've got a traditional borough council which might cover the town um, and a county council, the social care uh, element may sit in, uh, in different well, places. Well, uh, I'm just, can I, can I just stop you for a second? I'm just... Record. So the local authority commissioner will make the decision um, to commission services for, for a specific group of individuals. And they will then engage with, often tender out the care package to the care providers. And they will also engage with housing associations or registered providers, as they're called in England, who would take the lease on the property. So that's a registered provider of social housing. That's right, yeah. So in England, they're called registered providers. In Wales and Scotland, they're registered social landlords. But essentially, they're regulated housing associations. Okay. And, um, and then you've, uh, this is before we've even got to the tenant person who's going to be living in the property. It's a little bit chicken and egg because the commissioner will generally know who the individuals are they're commissioning services for if we're looking at long term support needs. So that they will have often identified maybe they've got a group of three young people who've been in residential college who need to transition from that college setting to taking on a, a, a property to live in. So often there will be individuals identified. It's not a nameless process. Okay. And, um, and then you you get that commission in place what, what about the the property side of things like what what sort of requirements um they vary as much as property varies i imagine they do absolutely so 
So I currently speak to hundreds of different care and housing and support providers about what they're looking for for supported living and trying to help them to meet their needs. And they, they, the property they require is hugely diverse. It's as diverse as the property that you will have in your portfolio as a landlord or a property investor. You know, I have everything from a one bed flat required for someone with sort of low level learning disabilities who just needs a few hours support a week up to two bed flats, three bed flats, small houses, larger houses, big HMOs, small HMOs, and blocks of self-contained flats are really popular too. I think probably the preconception that everyone has is that a large HMO is, is what's needed for supported living. I probably get messages a couple of times a week I've got this property Lisa it's perfect for supported living it's a 30 bed HMO and um, I think anyone who's managed um, HMOs knows that you have compatibility issues and the challenges that there are there if you've got individuals with support needs those compatibility issues are often amplified um, and you add COVID into the mix and the local authorities are a bit less keen on on those larger larger HMOs right right and uh, as I property owner what, what what are some uh and i understand that you've got quite detailed um i suppose uh due diligence processes that you share with people who uh, uh signed up on the platform or who have gone through your supported living gateway training programs mm -hmm. um what, what what would be a couple of sort of uh key things that people should be aware of um as a uh, as a property investor uh, thinking about doing this before they would sign a lease with a provider you mean what yeah, sort of due diligence yeah. should they do at that point I think they need to really um, have conversations with those providers understand them understand their business models um, understand what they're trying to achieve and you know there's lots of sort of um, paper due diligence you can do in research you know you can look up where they're registered look up their regulatory rating you can look them up on company's house all of that standard stuff that you do with before you sign a lease with anybody really but there's also that kind of feeling you get from talking to the providers and understanding what they're trying to achieve how they're going to achieve that and actually what drives them and that's for me you often get a much better feeling for the organization by having those open-ended conversations and, and questions with the providers and it's obviously quite a different thing for a residential uh, landlord who perhaps would be uh, dealing uh, dealing with a, a, a single tenant relationship um, or, or multiple tenants if, if they've got multiple properties or an HMO and dealing with an organisation. It kind of has a feel more of a commercial type lease, even though it's a house. Absolutely. It is more of a commercial lease, absolutely. And and there's a uh, there's a bit of a shift that people would need to go through, I imagine. And um, I'm uh, I'm going to put a little plug in again for for your course because I think it's a uh, it's a really good concept. Um, it, it's an eight week program. Um, we we've, we've covered it in a previous episode, but um, I, I think it's a really good idea if you're uh, uh, someone who hasn't worked with providers previously. Uh, and even if you have, it's a, it's probably a, a good idea. Um, we uh, it outlines what the uh, what the elements uh, are in, in getting a, su a supported living contract in place uh, successfully on an ongoing basis. And um, your 
uh, your platform is available how? Um, just by going to the website, it's www.supportedlivinggateway.com. So that's all one word, Supported Living Gateway. Thank and there's, you a, there's a simple membership uh, system on there if you're an investor wanting to uh, list your property, essentially. Uh, that's if it's right. eligible. Yeah. And on the other side, uh, care providers and, um, and uh, other uh, providers of supported living uh, can list their requirements, is that? and search for properties yeah the providers are, are, are on their searching they have searches saved so that when your property is uploaded if it's in an area they're looking for they then get notified about it so um yeah absolutely it's, it's a way of um you making it easier for you to connect with these providers because they're quite a hard group to to reach out to and find as a property investor they speak a different language they're not easy to find and locate and the ones that are easy to find are being inundated by property investors and are actually finding it's taking too much of their time managing property investors sending them speculative properties so we're sitting there trying to make life easier for property investors by letting them you know connect with the providers and for the providers by letting them see the property that's available without having to do the admin of sort of emailing backwards and forwards with property investors. it sounds like a, a a business a little bit like recruitment where you as a employer you you either can't find the person you want or there's there's so many applications that you um, you go around in circles yeah, I guess that's a good good analogy, actually. Yes, yeah, I think it is. Okay, well, well Lisa Brown, supportedlivinggateway.com. You're most welcome, and thank you for giving up your time. Um, and I, I, I hope um, the rest of your day goes well down in Devon in the sunshine. Um, but get on supportedlivinggateway.com. Thanks, Will. Thank you. Um, I'm Will Mallard. This is... My Property World, thank you. Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile.